glad to see a lot of faces that I've been able to see over the past few nights, and I'm also thankful to see new faces. And if I haven't got the chance to meet you yet, I look forward to shaking your hand or giving you a hug after church today. Uh, I'm excited to have an opportunity to spend the day together. So thank you for coming. And if you are from the community and, and you're a guest here, uh, I'm kind of a guest too, so I don't know who you are yet. Uh, so we can meet each other afterwards and get to know each other. My name is Jonathan, and I worship with the Valley Parkway Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. So I'm, I've been out here for the past few days uh, hosting some gospel meetings at this place. If you haven't had the chance to join us yet, I think this congregation has these recordings available for you to go back and listen to them, and I'd encourage you to do so. I hope that they will be encouraging and helpful for everyone. This morning, I'd like to talk about prayer, and I'm going to go ahead and say there's probably not anything new that you've never heard, and there won't be any aha moments, like, oh, I didn't know that about prayer. Uh, I hope to just give what we sometimes call in, in our home congregation a maintenance sermon. Right? Sometimes you just got to maintenance the vehicle, so to speak, or you got to maintenance the congregation as well. And so I want to talk to you about prayer. Some of you, I think, are probably, probably very zealous in your prayers. And you're just a prayer warrior, talking to God constantly. It's almost like there's just a, a flow of communication. Some of you may struggle with prayer, and you feel it's hard to get started. It's difficult to maintain focus. So there's a broad spectrum of us and how we may feel about prayer. And I want to encourage everyone. I don't want anyone to leave here today thinking, man, I just, I fail when it comes to prayer. No, no, no. I want to encourage you that you can be successful in your prayer life. You know, prayer in the Bible, there's just so many examples of it, but I'm going to share two as we begin, sometimes prayer was a national thing. And I think about in 2 Kings chapter 19, that there was a time when the Assyrian army surrounded Jerusalem. And uh, I mean, the whole area had been taken over by this mighty host. And Jerusalem's kind of the only place left. And the captain of the army brings this scroll to the king of Judah, Hezekiah. And in that scroll, it basically says, you're no better than anyone else, and you need to surrender. And so Hezekiah takes this scroll, and he takes it to the temple, and he lays it out before God, and he prays. It's amazing what happens through the power of prayer. God intervenes miraculously, and this great host is defeated, and uh, God's people gets to enjoy some peace for a time. Because of prayer. But you know, these national prayers are not the only types that are recorded. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, there's a woman. And she's been struggling with infertility for a long time. And the Bible says in chapter 1 verse 10 that she was greatly distressed. But she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And so here she was in this very intimate, lonely part of her life. And, and she's depressed. She can't eat. She can barely sleep. And yet what is still flowing is prayer. So I want to challenge you, whether it be these big national moments in your life or it is these 
uh, very humble, very lonely, very personal times, you can have a powerful sense of prayer as well. Now, uh, you have a handout, many of you do. It's a trifold. So we're going to be on the opening page for a little bit. And uh, before we maybe get into that first part about the purpose of prayer, I'm going to ask you this question. I don't think it's on your handout. But what is prayer? When we lived in Cambodia for a time, uh, it was questions like this that we needed to ask because we were dealing with a Buddhist community around us. And we would invite people to church. When people would, would uh, convert and become Christians, there's a whole lot of assumptions that we would make. And then we got a crash course in how most Buddhists did not have a similar upbringing that Christians do, obviously. And so we had to ask questions like this. What is prayer? And so I want to ask it to you. Because maybe you did grow up in a Christian home or in a Christian environment. And so we're just, we assume we know what prayer is. What is prayer? Well, uh, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance gives these synonyms. Supplication, worship, begging, and request. Now that opens up another can of worms when it comes to supplicate and to worship and to beg and request. But I like what uh, Brother Mike Criswell, he wrote the commentary of the Gospel of Matthew for the Contending for the Faith series. This is how he defines prayer. And this is in your handout, by the way. It's at the top. He says, prayer is that divine communication which emanates from the heart of the believer and ascends to the portals of God's throne. It is more than a duty. It is a most blessed privilege. Through this avenue, God has provided humanity access to deity. Now, there's a reason he wrote that commentary, because he's got the gift of writing. And that's some powerful language. I would like to share with you my definition of prayer, and it's a bit more simple. It's how we speak to God. There's a reason that I'm in charge of pureandsimplebible.com, not, you know, other things, because I try to distill it down. But yeah, prayer is how we speak with God. Now, how do we interact, how do we communicate with a supernatural, divine, omnipresent being with whom... Uh, there won't be two-way dialogue in the same way that there would be between someone that you can see. Well, uh, I hope that we can address that question and others as we go through this outline. Let's talk about the purpose and the power, the privilege, the principles, the persistence, and the practices of prayer. And then finally, we'll meditate on how God does answer prayer because he doesn't always answer them the same. And that's an important point that I want you to be thinking about. Some of these we'll focus a lot on and others we will kind of blow through them real quick. And that's the reason you have a handout is so you can take this with you and uh, study it later on your own. Also, if you are evangelistically inclined and you enjoy sharing the good news with others or talking about Jesus with others, this handout is a great thing to have on your lunch break. It's a great thing to have whenever you uh, are at school or at work or with your neighbors and say, hey, we went through this and this, this part of it, um, I'm trying to chew on it a little bit. I'm curious if you'd like to study with me. It's a great resource to reach out to your friends. Okay, let's talk about the purpose of prayer. I like to start with this one because right at the beginning, I just want to know 
What's this about? What am I supposed to be accomplishing here? And it's on the front page of your handout. And we have this acronym, ACTS, and it's Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And the way that I'm going to define these is as follows. Adoration is this deep love and respect for who God is. So sometimes in our prayers, it can be about simply praising God for who he is. Other times, however, we want to offer statements where we're admitting guilt, despair, or weariness. Yes, confession is about confessing sin, but confession, kind of like we learned about last night, it's also about confessing weariness. I am low, and I need your help to lift me up. We can pray thanksgiving, which is gratitude for what God has done. So we may adore him, thank you for who you are, and thank you for what you have done. And finally, I think the most common type of prayer is supplication, which is where we are requesting something. Whether that be a spiritual, physical, or emotional need, we often supplicate God, Lord, help me with this in my life. Now, I have an example of each of these from the book of Psalms. And I invite you to look on the screen and read it with me. And the reason that I'd like to read through these, uh, I guess from a personal reason, is sometimes whenever I'm working on my sermons, I use my family as my guinea pigs, right? And so at family worship one night, I said, okay, kids, tonight we're only going to say prayers of thanksgiving to God. And immediately they're thinking, okay, thanksgiving, turkey, cranberry sauce, right? No. But it's sometimes challenging to just be thankful when you're used to doing a whole lot of supplicating. And I remember some of the prayers that night were, uh, thank you for our food. Thank you for our home. And so we found that it was challenging to only be thankful. We really wanted to gravitate towards help us. Help us with this. Help grandma feel better. And uh, help brother so-and-so. Uh, we're, we're supposed to be thankful. So it was a challenge for us. And it may be a challenge for you. You may be comfortable in one type of prayer. So I want to give you a psalm that encourages you to pray differently. Here's a prayer of adoration. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. And I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. You know, these are recorded words of praise. That's all it is. David at one time spoke this to God and then decided to write it down. And there's no difference between his words written and your words spoken. You can adore God too. But there's also Psalms of confession. Psalm 38 says, I am troubled. I'm bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long for my loins are full of inflammation. There's no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. This is strong language. Where someone is pouring out their heart to God, they need help. And you can pray that too. There are prayers of thanksgiving like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, 
for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. And that Psalm 136, if you read it, it repeats that. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. And all these reasons of why we're thankful for God. Finally, a psalm of supplication. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call on you and you will answer me. Now, what I'd like to show you at this time is Jesus, what we call the model prayer. And maybe you're familiar with it. It's a very popular prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now it's a model prayer because uh, it highlights some of the different purposes of prayer. You don't have to pray this word for word. You can if you want to. And it's a nice practice, but we're not commanded to pray this word for word. He's just modeling it for us. But did you know he's actually adoring God? And he's giving uh, supplication. He's asking for God's will to be done. More supplication. Give us this day our daily bread. Confession. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. More supplication. Do not lead us into temptation. What you see, we see here that, that commonly in our prayers, we have multiple purposes. We're interested in accomplishing multiple things. So I hope that this is helpful for you as you think about what is prayer and what is its purpose. But you know, not only does prayer have purpose, but it has power. Power. Now you look in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, that section on the armor of God, maybe some of you are familiar with the armor of God. This beautiful visual of this helmet and breastplate and a sword and a shield and a belt and sandals. And this soldier is just equipped to fight the devil. And so we are spiritually we're to equip to fight the devil. You want to know the bookends of the armor of God? It says in verse 10, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then it talks about all the armor. And then the, the final book in is verse 18. With prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in mind, be on alert with all perseverance and petition of the saints. So part of equipping ourselves with power is that of prayer. Hebrews chapter 4 says... Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. James 5 verse 16 says, The effective prayers of a righteous man can accomplish much. There's power in it. Now I'm just going to blow through these bullet points and I'm going to ask you to follow up and read the scriptures later. Prayer gives us forgiveness. It gives us peace. It gives us strength. And opportunity, boldness and wisdom, healing and tranquility. These things are accessed through prayer. And so what happens if you're not praying? You don't have access to 
forgiveness and peace and strength, etc. This is a kind of an on-off valve or a switch. And there's something that we can do to have these things, and when we neglect to do it, we miss out on the power of it. However, I want to focus maybe a, a bit more time on the privilege of prayer. Now, the privilege of prayer, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it, that not everyone has it. So you can open up the handout. You have to turn it over as well. Uh, I want you to look at that section on privilege. It's important to remember what privilege is. Sometimes that word gets used a lot today, especially in political circles, and it gets used in ways that make it negative. The way I'm presenting it is as the word is intended to be, a privilege, and that means a right that a certain group has that others don't have. And there is a privilege, a right, that some people have to access God that other people don't. And so I want you to think about this, that not everybody around the world can simply access the Father. And that might fly in the face of the doctrine that a lot of people preach, that if you'll just you know, call the Lord into your heart, then you can be saved. And I would suggest that the Lord hears certain types of prayers, and there are other types of prayers that He does not hear. So who does not have this special privilege of prayer? First, those who do not listen to God. Proverbs 28, 2 Timothy chapter 4, are a couple of examples of people who may try to pray, but their prayers are not heard. In fact, they're an abomination. Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, He who turns his ears from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Abomination is a strong word. It means that it's odious. It's awful. That it's you know, the equivalent of nails on a chalkboard. This is what prayers are when people pray to God but don't obey God. Another type that does not have the privilege of prayer are those who are in sin and whose sins have separated them from God. Now, it's easy, brothers and sisters, for us to think, whew, that's not me because I'm here this morning. And it's those people out there, all them. I'm going to challenge you on that. That if you are not listening to God and if you're not obeying God, that means your sins are separating you from God. Now, I could go on a tangent about this. I'll do my best not to. But sometimes people give the Church of Christ a bad rap saying, oh, you Church of Christ folks, you think you're the only ones going to heaven. Maybe you've heard that before. I've heard that. I like what your brother says, Lynn Osborne. And it's tongue in cheek, so don't be offended too much. You blame Glenn, not me. <laughs> he says, I don't even think all of the people in the church are going to heaven. Now that sounds rough, doesn't it? Maybe I'm the only one chuckling at it. But the point is, who's going to heaven? The ones who obey God. Not the ones who fill the pews but in their heart are disobeying God. May it never be that we think if we're filling a pew that we've checked off everything there is to do. Not true. Because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, and this is to God's people. This isn't to some foreign nation. This was to God's people. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, 
nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. There's one more that I'm going to put up here. Actually, two more. Those who fail to treat others justly do not have the privilege of prayer. And so the way that we treat one another affects our prayer life. Did you know verses like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 say that husbands are to dwell with their wives in an understanding way lest their prayers be hindered? And so there's times whenever, and I love how it says for husbands to dwell with their wives in an understanding way, not the reverse, because there are many times where men will just say, well, who can understand a woman like this? Not me. We're called to dwell with our wives in an understanding way. And as the spiritual head of a house, brothers, if we can't dwell with one that we see in an understanding way, how are we supposed to dwell with one that we cannot see? As 1 John 4 talks about briefly. So the challenge is that we have to treat one another justly or our prayers will be hindered. Finally, those who do not pray with faith or those who pray rather without faith as Hebrews 11 verse 6 and James chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 state. James chapter 1 verse 6 says, But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf in the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, you might feel bad about that verse, and if you weren't here on uh, Thursday or Friday, I can't remember, go listen to that video, because we talked a whole lot about doubting. It's okay to have questions, and it's okay to inquire about the different aspects of our faith. But for the person who is expecting that God won't answer their prayer, what's the, even the point of this? I'm going to say this, but I know he's not going to hear me. Without faith, you do not have the special privilege of prayer. Well, who then does enjoy this special privilege? Who among us, who among this world can pray and God will hear that prayer and bless them with an answer? First, anyone who desires to seek God can pray to God, right? The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So while prayer is exclusive, it is as simple as when a person sincerely is trying to reach out to God. And so I don't want you to lose heart. If any of you on that previous slide thought, ooh, that one looks like me. So that means God's not hearing my prayers. Well, the moment that you have decided to change and that there is sincere repentance and you want to draw near to God, here's a promise. God will draw near to you. And this promise is open to sinners. Yes, there are sinners that God hears and listens to. We have it recorded in the Bible. Uh, for example, in Acts chapter 10, there's a man named Cornelius. He had not been baptized. And yet an angel comes to him and says, God has heard your prayers. How is that possible? Because he was seeking God. He was not interested in living a sinful way and seeking God. He was doing his best to, to find out more about God. And as Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 says, Seek and you will find. Knock 
and the door will be open to you. So sinners who are seeking God may pray and enjoy this privilege of prayer. And then the Christian who is faithful has Jesus as their high priest. And so the sinner and the Christian alike can enjoy this special privilege if we are moving towards God. Let's keep going. The principles of prayer. Here are what I'm going to call some principles, but certainly not all the principles of prayer. But I want you to think about these whenever you pray. Number one, you must pray in faith. You must pray in faith. Not with an expectation that uh, God isn't going to hear or God isn't going to answer, but we must pray in faith. Number two, we must pray with humility that God's going to answer it in his way and that we're not demanding him to answer it our way. Number three, we must pray in harmony with God's will. That scripture is so important to prayer. Uh, unlike the ones previously, I'd like to read it to you. First John chapter 5, verse 13. It says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence which we have before him. That, listen, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What's important about prayer is that we ask according to the will of God. Now, again, I'll use an example from when we were living in Southeast Asia. People were very discouraged about prayer who had never prayed before. And then when we explained to them what prayer was, they immediately started praying for things like, Lord, help me get this bicycle. Lord, help me get a house. Which I think, we, I think it's appropriate to pray for those things, but what's the expectation behind it is what I'm asking. What's a similar prayer that we might pray in this side of the pond? Well, I can't say this example anymore. Somebody won it, but I could be praying, Lord, help me win that Powerball, <laughs> right? That $2 billion Powerball. Is that according to the will of God? Or is that according to my selfish desires? You see what I'm talking about? So here's a principle of prayer. As I... Interact with God. Am I praying according to his will for things that will help accomplish his will? Or am I praying according to my wants and desires to accomplish my will? We must pray with an attitude of gratitude as Psalm 100 and Colossians 3 state. And I read a, a source that and I really liked this point that ingratitude is an indication of apostasy from Romans 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 3. So be careful if you do not have a heart of gratitude where that could potentially lead you. Finally, here's a principle. We must pray in Jesus' name. And uh, this is a point that I have for both those of you who lead public worship and then those of you who uh, pray privately at home. But you may notice that here we pray and then we advocate for people at home to pray in Jesus' name, amen. That's how we end a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. And I advocate that too. I don't think we should ever stop. In Jesus' name or in your son's name, amen. The ending of a prayer. But this principle is more than just how we end prayer. It's talking about the manner in which we're approaching the Father. That there is but one mediator between God, and that is Jesus Christ. And so it's only through Jesus, through his name, that we have access to the Father in the first place. And if you've ever studied the Old Testament, 
you know how difficult it was to access God. We're talking about taking big old stones in the patriarchal age and lumping them together in a big old pile and then calling dad or granddad or great granddad, whoever was the patriarch, and getting him to make a sacrifice so that we could interact with God. If you lived in the Levitical age, then you're going to look out in your flock and make sure that you've got uh, this perfect lamb. And if you don't got one, then you've got to go find one somewhere else. And you've got to get over to Jerusalem so that you can make a sacrifice. And you know what you and I get to do? Because of Jesus, we get to talk directly to God at any time and say, Father, please forgive me. Because I realized what I did was wrong. And I want to be right. And it's through Jesus that I can talk with you now. So, yes, at the end of a prayer, I advocate that you end your prayer in Jesus' name. But I'm also advocating that as you pray, just remember the mindset. that we get to do this because of Jesus. And what a privilege it is because of Jesus. Now, let's talk about the persistence of prayer. And uh, there are several uh, parables that we could look at, like the parable of the persistent friend, the parable of the persistent widow. And in both of these cases, uh, the moral of the parable is be consistent, right? Be persistent and keep on praying. And it may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years, but ask God. Because if in these parables, you know, the parable of the persistent widow was this judge, she just finally wore him down and he gave her the justice she needed because she kept asking for it. And if this godless judge would finally be wore down, how much would a God who loves you listen if you were persistent in prayer? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, it says he endured a thorn in the flesh Three times he prayed that it would be removed. He was persistent. Now, this thorn wasn't removed, but through the persistence of his prayer, Paul learned what he needed to know. He learned that God would provide in his own special way. Okay, now you can flip over to the back page of the handout. We're on the practice of prayer. And there's a lot of information and so I have made the executive decision that we're only going to talk about one of these. Now, I will briefly show you the other ones. We've got the model prayer, the question, uh, what can we be praying for? And then what positions or postures should we assume in prayer? They're all equally important. And uh, I'm not going to advocate that the one I'm speaking about is more important than the other two. But just for the sake of time, I'm going to put these two up here. And I'm going to ask you to study them on your own. In Matthew chapter 6, which we've already read, the model prayer, we could go through point by point and talk about uh, how this prayer can help us better understand the practice of praying. We could also talk for a time about the different people, the different uh, groups that we could be praying for, and that's also the practice of prayer. But I want to focus on this final question, what position or what posture should we assume in prayer? And the reason I think this is healthy for members of the church is it's sometimes easy for us to do things for the sake of tradition. 
And it's, it's not wrong to do it for the sake of tradition. Um, but sometimes when someone questions that tradition, we raise a red flag that maybe they're trying to just change things for the sake of change. And then we have a squabble over traditions. And friends, I'm here to tell you that the way that we pray in the assembly like this is a tradition. And it's an acceptable good tradition. There are other ways that one could posture themselves for prayer. Uh, we have scriptures where people are standing. People have their hands spread out. They're lifted up heavenward. People are bowing their head. They're lifting their eyes. <coughs> people are kneeling. People are bowing down. People are head bowed. Their faces between their knees. They're striking their chest. And these are biblical ways that we can pray. Now the reason that I'm spending just a moment on this is that if we are a group who wants to reach out to the community around us and invite them to join us for worship, there will be those who come in who may have a different posture of prayer. And my challenge is for us who like this tradition. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I like this tradition. I'm not here to blow it up. I don't want to change anything. I think it's appropriate. As 1 Corinthians 14 says that God is the author of peace, not of confusion, and all things are to be done for edification. And so I like the idea of taking a posture of humility when I'm sitting. Sometimes I close my eyes. Other times it's hard to focus, so I'll keep my eyes open. But I, I want that posture. And usually the whole group kind of takes that posture. Sometimes people get on their knees and pray. But what would happen? Let me just ask, what would happen if we had a guest that came in amongst us and uh, the brother comes up to the front and says, let us pray. And that person stood up and lifted their hands like this. What would you do? Would you tackle him? <laughs> no. Don't do that. And I would challenge us that, that we don't want to do things that are indecent and out of order. But I want to have a mindset where we are open to that other people may assume a different posture than we do as we pray. You know, there was a tax collector... And he stood, and there was a Pharisee, and, and he stood, right? Both of them were standing, right? The, the, the fact that they were standing isn't what was sinful. That what was sinful about this Pharisee was that he was, in his heart, proud about who he was and how he'd done nothing wrong. If it's wrong for us to have this posture of standing and looking to heaven, then Jesus would be wrong in John 17, when he looked to heaven and prayed. Again, I only bring this up because I want to challenge us to be flexible with people who may look different than us as we try to accomplish the same thing. Finally, let's talk on the, the, the middle part of that handout on the back side. How does God answer prayer? There's four answers to that question. Number one, God may answer with a yes. And thank God he answers prayer. I'm so thankful that we get to experience God answering yes. We pray for someone to get healed and they get well. We should thank God that he said yes. I prayed this, or I uh, uh, gave this study at home and I had someone come up afterwards and tell me a fabulous story. And uh, it really 
It's kind of humbled me, made me think sometimes I'm a prayer agnostic. So I want to challenge anyone else out there who may be a prayer agnostic. Let me explain. Uh, He explained that his grandson had played football and one Friday night had been tackled in the knee and that knee looked awful. It looked like it was a career-ending injury. So they took him to the emergency room and the doctor said, we're going to have to do surgery or something, but we've got to wait for the swelling to go down. So put ice on it, come back on Monday, and we'll, we'll make plans to do surgery. So they took that boy home, put ice on it, and they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. And they went back on Monday, and the doctor did another x-ray and said, I don't know what to say, but there's no surgery needed. In fact, he's good to go. He could probably play football this Friday. Now, a prayer agnostic like me, at times, might make an excuse. Well, it was just a swelling, you know, the x-ray kind of missed out. And really, uh, it was like this the whole time. And we'll, we'll make a, some sort of a rational reason for why he had misdiagnosed it. But what this grandfather told me was, you know what we should do whenever we pray? And instead of rationalizing it away, we should just say, thank you, God. Thank you. And it could be, thank you that he misdiagnosed it. But it could also be, thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you for answering our prayers. You know, God might say yes, but it could be a yes, but not right now. And that might feel like a no. Because you ask, and you're told, not yet. Now, in kid language especially, I know some of you kids out there, ours as well, anytime that dad says not yet, you're like, great. Might as well be no, (laughs) right? For those of us who are kids at heart, when we pray to the Father and and we feel like it's a not yet, a a lot of times we go, great. Might as well be a no. There's examples, Ecclesiastes 3, Luke chapter 18, others, where there is a Yes, but you need to hold on. It's not in our time. It's God's time. Number three, God may answer yes, but not as you think. This is one of those warnings. Be careful what you pray for because you just might get it. Just not the way you thought. And so you pray, Lord, help me to be patient. And what do you get? One of the most frustrating persons comes into your life and you just can't stand them. What is the Lord answering? A prayer for patience, for you to learn to love this person. You might be asking for things like children. Help us to get pregnant. Help us to have a baby. And it may be not as you think. Sometimes children don't come naturally. They come through adoption, through fostering. Did you get a baby? Yes, you did. This is a baby of choice. It's a yes, but not as you think. And sometimes God answers no. And none of us like no. I I still, 37 years old, and I didn't like it when I was a kid. didn't like it growing up. I don't like it now. I don't like a no. And none of us wants a no. 
But as these scriptures in 2 Corinthians 12 and in James 4 teach us, there's times when God's no looks a whole lot like a yes, but not as you think. And we desperately pray for someone to get well, and they don't. And when they die and we miss them terribly, we think, why did you say no? But God knew best what that person needed, and maybe they needed to be with him. You know, there's times when we've had dear loved ones who have prayed and prayed and prayed. Again, I may be thinking about children too much, but we've had dear friends for 20 years have wanted kids. And it looked like God said no, and he did. We were there in the courtroom with them, listening as a judge would give the child to another family over them, and we wept with them. And those no's hurt. But it was through those no's that God's will was ultimately accomplished. You know, Paul prayed three times to the Lord, please take this thorn in the flesh away from me. I, I, don't, I don't want it. And God said, no. And after that third prayer, Paul realized, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And so I'll, I'll rejoice in my sufferings. I'll rejoice earnestly and, and when things go bad because then I know that the power isn't meant to be in me anyway. It's meant to be in God. He needed to know. Sometimes you need to know too whenever you pray. Here's an important point about how God answers prayer. God answers every prayer, every time, as he sees best. Not as you, not as me, but as he sees best. And so remember, prayer is not about granting our wishes. Prayer offers us the sacred opportunity to commune with and petition to and discern the will of God. So I challenge you to be like Paul, as we just talked about. Be like Paul and learn that when God says no or when God says yes, but wait, or yes, but later, learn to be like Paul so that when you're weak, then in fact, you're strong. That's our Bible study this morning. I hope it was helpful. And I do encourage you, you know, there was a lot of information in that handout I encourage you to take it with you. And whether it be today or some other time in the week when you study the Bible, uh, open that thing up and, and read those scriptures. And I hope that your prayer life is blessed because of our maintenance time this morning. If you're not a Christian, and especially when it came to talking about the privilege of prayer, sin does separate us from God. And I want you to know that even though sin separates you from God, Jesus Christ is greater than our sins, and he can cover and wash away any sin that you have ever done. And so we invite those who have not yet obeyed the gospel to come believing and repenting, confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, and be baptized for the remission of sins. Brothers and sisters, if anyone needs the prayers of the church, whether it is to confess sin or to confess weariness, this is a time for you as well. Please come as we stand and sing a song. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. 
Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.